because we are talking about Jesus. That's the whole point of this, this series is to talk more about Jesus. Uh, when I was in Bible college, my preaching professor said, when you're preaching a sermon, uh, it should be just like, you know, they used to say, all roads lead to Rome. You've heard that saying before. Well, all roads lead to the cross. They should all lead to Jesus. Every sermon should lead to Jesus. Well, we're even putting more emphasis on that uh, this, uh, this month leading up to Easter. Just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about all the prophecies that uh, concerned his birth and, and how those all came true. And, and last week we talked about how the fact that he did live. He definitely lived. Uh, there's no question that he did. And because he did, he changed the world. And if we could just take some of the things that Jesus did in his life and implement them into our lives, not only would we be better in how we live our lives, but the people that we're around on a regular basis are going to be blessed as well. And so we learned that he lived his life in view of eternity, that he lived to glorify his father. He lived for the benefit of other people. He lived to relate to other people. And he gave us his Holy Spirit. And, and, and we learned that even as we speak right now, he is seated at the right hand of the father and he is praying for us and he is preparing a place for us. And as the old preachers used to say that if it took God six days to make the world, imagine what heaven's going to look like because of the thousands of years that he's been spending working on on that for us. It's going to be pretty amazing. But Jesus changed the world and he's given us the opportunity to do the same thing even after uh, this world has passed away. We have this opportunity to spend eternity with him in heaven. So I want to tell you about him because he can change your life. Let me just see a raise of hands or a shout of amen or whatever if God has changed your life. If Jesus has changed your life. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting down there as the worship team is leading us in, in worship. And I'm, you know, there, there were moments I just wanted to, you know, as I'm, if I watch a ball game and something really cool happens, I'm woo like that. And I feel guilty because I'm sitting on the front row. I probably should have let out a woo, but I restrained myself. And I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have, you know. God just, I don't know. I don't even know why I told you that, to be honest. But I felt like I needed to just confess to you that there, there were some moments in worship today that, that was just so powerful that, couldn't even sing. Tears were in my eyes as, as we were singing. So I'm thankful for that. And it's all because of Jesus. He's changed my life. He can change your life. He's already changed your lives. A lot of you. Most of you. So today we're turning our attention to the fact that while Jesus was on earth, he taught. He didn't just come to die for us, even though that's exactly one of the things, the main reasons that he came. He came to teach us before he went to the cross. There's a lot of things that he told us that, that we would do well to apply to our lives and um, live, live more like him um, before we pass from this life. And a lot of people referred to him as the teacher. He was the greatest teacher that ever lived. Some would not acknowledge him as God. Even people today don't acknowledge that he was the son of God, but they'll acknowledge him as a great teacher. And we need more people who will teach the word of God. We need more people who will live it. I heard a story about a preacher who entered a class that uh, the lesson was in progress in their Sunday school class, and for fun, he just decided to pop in and give the class a pop quiz. He said, uh, who can tell me who broke down the walls of Jericho? Young boy raised his hand and said, it wasn't me, sir. <laughs> and the preacher turned 
to the teacher and said, is this the usual behavior in your class? And the teacher said, sir, I, I think this is an honest boy, and I really don't think he did it. And, and he, leave the room, he left the room, and he's walking down the hallway, and, and he saw an elder out in the hallway and explained to the elder, he said, listen, hey, I, here's what happened. And the elder said, listen, I've known both of these people for years, and if they said they didn't do it, I don't think either one of them did it. And by this time, the, the preacher, he's just absolutely heart sick, and he goes to the Sunday school superintendent and said, Here's what happened. And he said, listen, there's no, no point in making a big issue out of this. Let's just pay the bill for the damage of the walls, charge it to maintenance. Listen, don't worry about it. Insurance might even cover it. So let's just kind of let it go. Listen, there's a lot of people who look at the teachings of Jesus. There were a lot of people who were walking the earth while Jesus walked the earth, especially the Pharisees, those religious leaders, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. They're hearing the teachings of Jesus and they're kind of acting like what that ridiculous story I just told you was. Uh, that, that's kind of how they were acting to the teachings of Jesus. They just didn't get it. The, the Pharisees didn't, didn't get it at all. And as Christians, we need to be doing what we can do to portray an accurate picture of Jesus so that more people will believe, so that those around us will get it. So I want to achieve a couple of things today through, through our message. First thing is I want to display some aspects of Jesus' teaching uh, the way that he taught, the way that he spoke, so that we'll have a good model to go by when we're trying to teach the Word of God to other people. Some of you will do that maybe in a class setting. Some of you might even be preachers someday. Some of you might do it in a small group setting or in youth group or something like that. Some of you may just have an opportunity to sit down with your Bible and a coworker or a neighbor and explain some things. And, and, and so I think we would do well to model the way Jesus taught so that we can teach better. And then it, I, th I think I, I want us to get this as well. Um, Jesus didn't speak. I, th I think it's important for us to understand. Jesus didn't speak in some weird mystical way that we can't understand. He spoke in parables, and some people were confused by some of the things that he said. But he always explained those things to his disciples, and those things are explained in his word. He was very forthright about what he talked about. And so it's not, the gospel is not some difficult thing that people can't understand. Yes, it's profound. It might not make sense why God would do what he did for us. Some of us might wrestle with that. But it's so simple. That even a child, a child like an eight-and-a-half-year-old Rayleigh yesterday who gave her life to Christ and was baptizing him, eight-and-a-half years old, who just gets it. And if you just listen and you just watch what Jesus did, you'll get it. And I want to encourage you today to read the words of Jesus, teach the words of Jesus with the idea that they are understandable and they can change your life as the song said just a moment ago. So here are some things, four things I want you to understand. First of all, Jesus taught with authority. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. People listened to what Jesus had to say because he taught with authority. How many of you are old enough to remember the old E.F. Hutton commercials? 
Anybody remember the old E.F. Hutton commercials? You know, there might be a crowded room at a restaurant, a lot of noise going on, packed with people, all this sort of stuff going on. And then somebody starts talking to somebody else about what their stockbroker, E.F. Hutton, told them. And whenever they started talking, there's just a hush on the room and everybody listens. Do you guys remember those commercials? All right, who, who's not old enough to remember those commercials? Okay, well, seriously? You guys? No way. Look it up. You will be glad that you did. But when E.F. Hutton talks, there you go. Thank you. I am with my people. That is good. When Jesus taught, people listened because he didn't teach like anyone else taught. Right? He, he taught as one who had authority. And I think it's important to point out in verse 29 of Matthew 7 that we read a moment ago. He's taught, he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So here's what they were used to hearing. They were used to hearing things from the teachers of the law. And the teachers of the law, often they taught with selfish motives. Uh, they taught a bunch of religious do's and don'ts. They didn't teach about a relationship that they could have with God. And so people weren't as interested in this old, strict, rigid religion. And when Jesus comes along and he speaks, the people were listening because he taught as one who had authority. He, he, was, he, was, uh, he, he was like no one else. There were plenty of rabbis around. There were plenty of teachers around. But there was, when Jesus started speaking, there was something different about him. And part of that is, sure, he's the son of God. And sure, his character was impeccable. And so that differentiated him between the religious leaders and, and himself for sure. But, but there was something different about Jesus that people just wanted to listen. And he had this authority that others didn't. He wasn't a Hebrew scholar, he wasn't a Pharisee, he wasn't a trained minister, but he had authority that no one else had. And why is that? I believe the answer to that is because of the source of his teachings. His teaching came straight from God. They weren't his own, they came straight from the Father. John 1 says that Jesus came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And he had the truth of the Father backing him up. Whatever he said was right and it had authority because the Father was backing him up. And there were a couple of instances, several instances really, where the religious leaders and the teachers and the lawyers, they're demanding that Jesus offer proof of what he had to say. And his answer basically was this, I speak for the Father. All I'm doing is telling you what God's word says. If you don't like that, I'm sorry, but that's the way that it is. And some, Do you ever feel that way? Sometimes I feel that way. Kendall and I were having this discussion this week how sometimes we wish the Bible didn't say what it said. It would be a whole lot easier if, if it didn't say some of the things that it did say because sometimes when we preach those things, people get a little turned up over it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so we can't worry about those things because God's word has clearly said that and so as Jesus said I speak for the father and all I'm doing is telling you what he says that's the approach that we need to take as ministers of the gospel not only those of us who stand up here or who are in a classroom or in a small group but everyone who claims to be a Christian who claims to believe in the word of God we have to say listen we have God's word we have his backing we have to be confident we have to teach with authority because our authority comes from God and he's given it to us in his word. 
We can teach with that authority of Scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of times we're guilty of speaking the truth, maybe, but we don't really do it in love all that well. And so I think that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. We have to listen to Him guide us into uh, how we should say it, uh, even if some people in our society might not agree with it or like it, God's got your back, stand true to his word. And we're not going to be as great a teacher as Jesus was, but we can speak with authority because God's going to back us up. Secondly, Jesus taught in ways that related to people. And when I look at the word of God, I don't see anywhere in scripture where Jesus decided to hold a theological symposium to lecture the religious folks of the day about the latest theological ideals and teaching. Jesus did teach some theology, for sure. He did it all the time. But he didn't use big, fancy, we talked about this a little bit last week, he didn't use big, fancy, intellectual, impressive language. He used the language of the time, the language of the common person, and he did it in a lot of different ways. He told stories, he told parables, he referenced uh, uh, people, and he referenced events that all of the people of that day would understand, and, and he used the linguistic devices of the day. He talked like they would talk. And he used whatever he could use to get the people to understand. He could relate to any age, any gender, any social status, any level of spiritual maturity. Because he knew how to teach. He wasn't afraid to be all things to all people like the Apostle Paul said he was willing to do. And it was geared toward... uh, the people that were present in any situation. So sometimes the things he would say and how he said them would differ depending on who the crowd was. And one of the goals of teaching should be that little thing called communication. If I'm standing up here in front of you and I'm saying a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense and nobody understands, what's the point? We have to be able to communicate. Some of you might be sitting out there right now saying, well, yeah, you're kind of doing that today. No, I hope not. Uh, I hope that I'm getting across to you that it's important to just teach the Word of God in a way that people are going to understand. I remember uh, one time I, I, did a, uh, I did a morning radio show in North Vernon uh, with my youth minister, Jerry Halpin. And Jerry and I had the opportunity to cover the Billy Graham crusade in Indianapolis one year. And we did our morning show, a live morning show for three hours live from the Billy Graham crusade. And we got to go to all of the press conferences of everybody that was there. So Gaither Vocal Band was there. Jeff Gordon was there. Michael W. Smith was there. The lady that sang the theme song to Larry Boy from VeggieTales was there. So, I mean, it was, it was huge. It was huge. And so I had the opportunity to sit in a press conference with Billy Graham, and, and, and he gave the opportunity for the press to ask questions, and I thought, well, I'm press, <laughs> so I'm going to ask a question, and, and I raised my hand, and he called on me, he said, yes, young man, and, and I'm like, I, it was, first I was like, and, and, and then God gave me like the strength to, to say, this is just a man, you know, and, and I said, uh, Uh, Dr. Graham, I said, uh, back years ago in the 50s, you would use people like George Beverly Shea and and, uh, other artists to sing at your crusades. And 
and then, uh, you know, in the 70s, you would use, I, I, you've used Johnny Cash and people like that. And in the 80s and 90s, and you, you started using contemporary Christian artists and things like that. Can you tell me why you, you chose to, to do your crusades that way? And this is what he said. He said, if I go to a foreign country, I have to preach to people through an interpreter or they're not going to understand. And he said, all of these artists that relate to people of that age, they're my interpreter to that generation. And I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Because he understood the importance of communicating the gospel in a way that relates to people. And he, he, he spoke with authority like Maybe not like Jesus did, but he knew he had the authority of Scripture. And Jesus always did that. He taught in ways that related to, to everyday people. And Jesus taught the third so that we could live the best way possible. Here's the deal. A lot of people think that, that, that uh, if you become a Christian, God's only interested in taking away the way that you live. He wants to take away all your fun. I'm going to have this old, boring, meaningless life. And so I'm not going to give my life to Christ. But you don't understand that that Jesus taught so that we could live the best way possible. That's why he said some of the things that he said concerning sex. To be honest, it's not, it's not so you can't just go do what you want to do. It's because he knows this is the best life possible. And so he put some restrictions in some of the things that he's asked you to do and not to do because he is, he's interested in you having your best life possible. Not only does he want you to go to heaven, but he wants you to have the most fulfilled life, the most amazing life that you can have before you get there. He taught about the worth of people. Who did Jesus love the most other than the father? He loved people. That's it. Not a trick question. He came to earth in the first place because of us, because of people. He wanted people to go to heaven. That's why he came. He wanted us to have a, a relationship with his father like, like he had. And one of the things that Jesus did so well was to tell people about the care that the father has for his people, for his children. Look at this verse from Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 and 27. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And the Father, here's the deal. God doesn't just care about your food supply, even though he does. He cares about your worries. He cares about your anxieties. He cares about your joys. All that stuff, your whole life. He cares about every single detail. Jesus said the Father cares so much about you that he knows the most intimate detail of your life, including such mundane things as how many hairs you have on your head. And I'm not going to make any bald jokes on anybody today, all right? Why would he care about something like that? Why would he care? Because you're worth it. In the Father's eyes, you're worth it. Jesus also said that people are worth, they're so meaningful to the Father that they warrant an all-out search 
Like we talked about in Luke chapter 15 last week, right? When they found Christ, the story of the prodigal son, the lost coin, the, the parable in the, in, the, in the field, all these different things that, that, that are just so, so meaningful and so important. When those things are found, heaven through a celebration for each person who surrenders their life to Christ and who are baptized into him, heaven throws a big party. They throw a big celebration for everyone who does that because they care for you. God cares for you. He sees you as having great worth. And we know that why? Because Jesus taught us that we have worth in the Father's eyes. He said he came so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Not just any old life, not just a boring, meaningless, unfulfilled, purposeless life, but the best life possible. Life to the fullest, as John's gospel describes. And so he deals with a bunch of issues. He teaches us all of these different issues to give us the best life possible. I just want you to look at some of the things that Jesus has instructed us on so that we can live our best life possible. He gave us instruction on such things. How to get to heaven. How to love your neighbor. I know that's tough sometimes. Amen? Okay. All right. Just check and see if you're listening. Our neighbors are sometimes a little tough to... Not mine. I've got uh, Gary. If you're what Gary Richline and Debbie, you guys are awesome. Uh, but uh, so, sometimes we have neighbors that you know are not great. And and so ha- how to have a better marriage? How to have an effective prayer life? Jesus wants us to be our absolute best, so He's given us instructions on how to do this. He even taught about the proper way to handle money. It's not just some guesswork. It's not just, you know, uh, we just hope everything turns out okay. It's not like the two guys I heard about. They met each other many years after they hadn't seen each other for a while. One attended college. One was very successful. The other hadn't gone to college, never had, uh, didn't have a whole lot of ambition. The successful one said, how's everything been going with you? And and the guy who didn't go to college, he, he said, well, one day I opened my Bible at random and I dropped my finger on a word and the word was oil. And so I invested in oil, and boy, did the oil wells gush. I made a killing. And then another day, I dropped my finger. I opened my Bible, and I dropped my finger on another word, and it said gold. So I invested in gold, and man, it just, this price of gold just went through the roof. I made a killing. I'm now as rich as a Rockefeller. The successful friend was so impressed that he rushed back to his hotel. He grabbed his Gideon Bible. He flipped it open. He dropped his finger on a page, and he looked at it, and it said chapter 11. Aren't, aren't you thankful? Some of that, that's working its way to the back now, I can tell. Aren't you thankful that God did not leave those kinds of things to guesswork? That he's given us clear instructions on how to, to do everything. And he's also used correction. Right? He talked about errors of previous teachings as well as errors in our attitude and and actions, and sometimes God's word is confrontational, and sometimes we need correction. Sometimes we need to be rebuked. Sometimes our hypocrisy needs to be called out. Other times, God handles it gentle and inviting, even his correction. There are some things that are just wrong in life, and we need to be willing to be taught correction if necessary. And then Jesus also used warnings. Jesus warned of future events. He, he warned of the folly of listening to men rather than God. He also uh, warned of the condemnation to all those who try to uh, 
enter the kingdom of heaven in a way that you're, you don't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't, you can't get to the kingdom of heaven anyway other than going through him. And so he warned about that. And he warned about the dangers of hell. He warned about all kinds of stuff like false teachers and, and false, uh, false warnings about his return. And the fact that he could come at any time. And so we better be doing the master's work when he returns. And he taught us a bunch of stuff about how to raise our kids. Aren't you thankful that God has given us some instruction in how to raise our kids? Even with that instruction, it's difficult. Yeah? I'm thankful that, that God left us with more than, hey, straighten up or you're going to get your little behind tanned. You know, aren't you thankful for that? Things like, you know, I, I know I was taught things like, you know, don't, don't put your hand on a hot stove. You know, you've you got to be told that sometimes or, you know, you're going to do it. Or, hey, don't, don't sniff the bottom of a swimming pool because it smells like blueberry paint. Don't do that. You know, for those of you who have heard that story, you remember. Don't run the bases blindfolded or you might fall and hurt yourself. I did that down the basement stairs. Why do we do that? You know, why do we do silly stuff like I don't know? Right, but God has said, "Listen, I, I've given you ways to to raise your kids, and so we warn our kids for one reason and one reason only. It's because we love them. We don't want to see them hurt, and that's why God gives us warning because we're His children. He says, "I don't want to see you hurt. I want to see you do things the right way." And then He also gives us encouragement on top of His Words about how God cares for us intimately and passionately. Jesus also gave us some promises. He's encouraged us. He has given us the promise of heaven. He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's given us the promise of His presence, not only here in the form of the Holy Spirit, but in heaven throughout all of eternity. He's given us affirmation of the truth of the Scriptures. So faith can come from hearing the word of God and people can be given an invitation for salvation and the blessings that follow that invitation and that decision. And he taught about the kingdom of God. He talked so much about the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1 verse 15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom is near, repent, believe the good news. The kingdom was huge for Jesus and it was huge because the kingdom belonged to the Father and the kingdom was made up of people. And so the two things that Jesus, the, the two things that the Father cared about the most was the kingdom and, and those kingdom being, that kingdom being made up of, of people. And, and so he talked about it a lot because he was passionate about it. Have you ever noticed that? The people who are passionate about a particular thing, they talk about it all the time. Anybody do that? Anybody have a friend that does that? I know I can be that way sometimes about some things I'm passionate about. In the Gospels, the kingdom of heaven is mentioned by Jesus almost 100 times. He was so focused on it because he was so passionate about it because the kingdom came from the Father and the kingdom was full of people. And so he told a lot of stories, a lot of parables. He said, the kingdom's like a man who sowed seed in his field. And that seed landed on different kinds of soil and some of it grows and some of it doesn't. He said the kingdom is like a mustard seed. It starts small, yet it becomes so big that birds can nest in it. He said the kingdom is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. 
And when a man found it, it was so valuable to him that he sold everything that he had so he could go out and buy that field so that he could have that treasure. He was constantly talking about the kingdom and comparing it or contrasting it to different things in everyday in people's everyday lives so that they could understand it better. The kingdom was important to Jesus. And because of that, it needs to be of utmost importance to us. And if the kingdom is not important to you, then I would, I would say you've got reason to take inventory of your walk. His teachings should be important to us. And his teaching, the way that he taught, should be important to us as well. And then finally, Jesus taught us who he was. You know, I, I've noticed already, I was walking through Walmart Friday, and I know the, the newsstands have come out with them, the magazines. Are, there's still some, some hard copy magazines out. Not everything's digital now. There's still some hard copy magazines out there. And one of them is Time Magazine or one of those magazines that, that are on the uh, shelves that you can completely trust in and put your, you know, your, your whole... There was a picture of Jesus on, on the front, and here it's almost Easter time, and so the secular world is going to tell us who Jesus is. Jesus taught us who he was. We don't have to go any farther than the word of God. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And here's the deal. Who he was gave validity to everything that he taught. Because if he wasn't who he said he was, then nothing that he said can be trusted. Is that right? As we've talked about before, Spencer, I know you bring this up in your apologetics teachings in school. He was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he's the Lord of your life. It's one of those three. He's either who he said he was, or he was just pulling off some big scam, or he was nuts. I'm banking my entire life on the fact that he's Lord. And that everything that he said can be trusted. Because if not, then nothing he said about loving God and loving your neighbor, nothing can be trusted about that. Nothing about loving your enemies or your in-laws or placing your treasures in heaven or how much the Father cares about you. Nothing about forgiveness of sins and your home in heaven. If Jesus isn't who he said he was, then we can just forget about all of that stuff. And his petty religious words are just that. They're just religious words and they don't mean anything. If he wasn't who he claimed to be. But he claimed to be the perfect, sinless Son of God who came from the Father so that you and I could go to heaven. And if he's wrong, then we have no hope and really no reason to listen to anything that he said. But if he's right, and I believe he is, we have an obligation to believe it and help others find it as well.
Because he's serious about people knowing him. He's serious about relaying to people that the Father loves them. He's serious about the fact that we need to love people. And so today, as we close, as the worship team comes to lead us in a song of decision, I want to ask you a very serious question. Will you today, if you haven't already, put your faith and trust in everything that Jesus said? He said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he cares so much for you that he's promised to take care of you, to meet your needs, not only for this life, but for all of eternity. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he wants you to go out into the world and build his kingdom so that as many people can be in heaven with the Father as possible because he loves everyone? I'm going to ask you to stand with me and um, if there's anyone here today that would like to make a decision to confess Jesus as the Christ, repent of your sins, and if you haven't been baptized into to Him, you want to do that, we're ready to do that here on the spot. If that's a decision you need to make today, we're ready for you. Or maybe you want to become a part of a church family that's doing their best to to build the kingdom, to love as much like Jesus as possible. Um, if you're watching at home and you want to make a decision, um, just text READY to our church connection number that you'll see on the screen. Um, maybe today you're just struggling with some things and you just need to turn them over to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're having trouble trusting some of the promises that Jesus made. Would you just pray to him and say, Lord, help Help my unbelief. Maybe you would like for some people to pray for you. Maybe, again, you'd like to just do that publicly or privately, whatever decision it is you might want to make. We encourage you not to put it off. Let's bow together.